everybody, Maverick Magazine on the air from the campus of uh, Minnesota State University here in Mankato, Minnesota. Another beautiful day here in Mankato, the key city. Bernsey, you know the uh, the history uh, behind uh, the key city stuff, which we roll out every now and then referring to the city of Mankato? Uh, I don't think so. Why don't if you we ever talked about why it. Why don't you refresh my Well, my, my, from my understanding, and, and I'm sure someone can, uh, will correct me, but um, with some of this stuff, but uh, it was uh, Chamber of Commerce marketing uh, tag uh, from probably 50 years ago uh, with uh, Mankato's location in South Central Minnesota uh, being near to the Iowa uh, border and uh, being centrally located uh, in the state. It was sort of the hub of okay. uh, uh, of, of commerce, especially with the ag industry. So, as you know, there's uh, some production that takes place, and of course, the train, uh, maybe not as robust as it used to be, but it runs right through downtown Mankato. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, the key city seemed like a natural. So, we kind of like it. It's kind of a cool thing. I don't know. You've heard other places called the hub, like um, Boston, for example. It's the, yeah. in addition to being uh, Beantown, if you, if you take a look at that um, logo that the Boston Bruins have with the B right in the middle of that mm-hmm. spoked wheel, it's the hub, yep, right? Yep. And uh, so the key city is what they have going here. So there's your your history lesson awesome. <laughs> for today. Another beautiful day. I'm going to take my coat off here. Just give me a sec here because it is a little bit toasty. <laughs> right, guys? Just let me take off my nice Bauer take hockey Take my Bauer. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got my cool logo there. Um, you stick around long enough. If you're here, you know, you know, four decades, and you can probably uh, get some of this cool is stuff that it? too. The four yep. decades, all jacket. Jacket. Key things. Yep, all it takes. Yep, um, not much of a commitment. Um, so, <laughs> so it doesn't take much. <laughs> um, so we're gonna dive right into uh, some of the stuff right here. Uh, given the fact that we actually had some events on campus last night with uh, basketball uh, teams hosting. Um, uh, some games with uh, Upper Iowa and NSIC action uh, in in Taylor Center. A really good uh, a men's basketball team uh, for the Mavericks facing a really good basketball team with uh, Upper Iowa coming to town last night, Burnsy, and that was the uh, the opener for last night's doubleheader. Yep. And uh, number seventeen MSU against number nineteen Upper Iowa, mm-hmm. and uh, it went it went to the very end before the game was decided. Right. Yeah. It w- uh, we went to overtime first time this year. Both teams entered the game six and zero, one and zero in conference play. So you know we were expecting a really uh, close game. I mean, neither team led by double digits uh, pretty much the whole way through. And uh, but uh, you know, Upper Iowa was leading for a good chunk. Then we would come back. Uh, they took a small little lead into, into the second half, and then they led for um, for a decent chunk in the second half. But then we came back. We had this really great rally here at the near the end, near the end of the second half. Took the lead, and we ended up. Um, you know, up by four with two minutes to go, but they were able to get a couple baskets on us to force overtime. But um, got into overtime, and you know, scoring was uh, pretty light early on. But then we just jumped out to a six-point lead, and they just couldn't come back from that. And uh, we had a couple of big baskets. I remember Brady Williams dunk from a great pass, no-look pass from Malik yeah. Willingham. That that put us up by six, and then they managed to cut the lead to one. But then Kyrie's Willingham was just uh, right in the right place at the right time got a nice easy layup I think off an offensive board yeah. and uh, that put us back up by three and essentially put the game out of reach because Upper Iowa missed their next shot and then they had to start following us and we uh, Devontae and Quincy hit some free throws and that was enough it was kind of wild too with it is that Upper Iowa was in foul trouble a majority of it yes and 
in the in the second half they almost escaped with it mm-hmm. without it being a factor. Yeah. But and luckily we got to go to overtime, and so they had two guys foul out. Wasn't it three? They're three. I, th- I think it might have been three. well two in overtime. Yeah, but three total. One, one fouled out in the sec- yeah. late in the second half. Two and fouled so, out in overtime, and Malik fouled out for yeah. us too. So and my point with that is that. If it hadn't gone to overtime, it would have been a non-factor. Mm-hmm. And then having two of your key, one starter and a key bench player fall out, then mm-hmm. and another guy, two, one or two other guys with four, yeah. they had to play conservative, and you know it gave us opportunities that may or may not have been there down the yeah. stretch. Yeah, because at the very end they had to rely on uh, Joe Smoltz because yeah. he had he had no fouls yeah, going into overtime. One. He was like the only person without yeah. a foul <laughs> the whole game, and uh, so yeah. he was he was the one doing all the fouling late at the end to try to send yeah. us to the line and everything like that, but. But yeah, we had uh, some career nights from uh, Quincy Anderson. He uh, 35 points, career high, uh, 10 rebounds, fourth career double double. Devonte Thedford tied his career high with uh, 24 points, and uh, I think Brady Williams had 12 points and eight boards, and Ryland Holt 10 points and three assists off the bench. Ryland, uh, he played uh, some heavy minutes there too uh, last night. He seemed to be involved in a lot of stuff. I mean, it might not necessarily show up on the stat sheet, but boy, yeah. he was making an impact. Well, a, a couple of things that uh, you mentioned there, and I, and I should, by the way, introduce Jordan O'Grady and Nick Burns and uh, Connor Wachtel. I'm Paul Allen driving the bus here on Maverick Magazine, uh, our, our 57th consecutive year on the air at uh, KMSU. Quite a record. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the depth that we have, you yeah. Ryland Holt coming off the bench. I, I don't know that uh, not only in the NSIC, but once you uh, get into the region, maybe nationally, the depth that we have. And you didn't even mention Kelby Kramer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which is going to pose a matchup problem for most most yep. uh, programs, I think. Um, uh, and then the fact that we're ranked seventeenth, Bernsey, that's significant. You know, uh, at, uh, under uh, Matt Margenthaler's watch, um, we've traditionally uh, been ranked, but actually, uh, the last little while we haven't. And it's been a while since we've ranked in the top twenty-five of the national. Mm-hmm. Um, the a NABC poll, right? Um, but we're seventeenth, right? When was the last time we were ranked in the top twenty-five? I believe the last time we were ranked in the top twenty-five might have been the start of the 2016-17 season. So it's been a few years. Yes. So and we're undefeated. We uh, continue to uh, roll here, and a uh, good win last night over a quality opponent, our toughest opponent so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, we play Winona State this weekend, and and uh, I don't think Winona State's ranked. And no, um, but. But th- there's always the butt factor when you're playing. <laughs> that's a misnomer, I think. But when you're playing Winona, when you're, yeah. you know what I mean? When you're playing Winona State, uh, mm-hmm. um, it really is one of the deals because of the rivalry. Yeah. I just don't know which way the game's going to go. Yeah. And Winona's off to a pretty decent start, too. They're 5-2 and two on the season. They just beat Concordia-St. Paul uh, pretty handily. Or, well, it was actually a pretty close game last night at Concordia-St. Paul. But, uh, but, you know, like you were saying, when we face Winona State, Forget everything you know, because they're always going to give us uh, their, their best effort, yep. no matter no matter the circumstances. So we're going to have to be ready to go, and uh, hopefully we can get that eighth win of the year and stay perfect in conference play three and zero. And yep. but um, good crowd last night, and yeah. and a raucous crowd. Um, um, oh yeah, a good basketball, good Division two college basketball, and we'll expect a uh, a good crowd at Winona mm-hmm. on Saturday. That's a one thirty start in Winona yep. on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Women's basketball team, another yep. nice win as they continue to roll. <laughs> uh, Jordan, pick up a, another win over an NSIC opponent last yeah. night. In I Taylor think Center. rolling is even an understatement. Yep. They yep. got boulders coming down in an avalanche. <clears throat> I mean, dominating in scoring category in the NSIC first. And just for comparison, Concordia St. Paul, second in the conference in scoring, who we had to come from behind win a week or so ago. 
and there we're 88 and a half per game and Concordia is 40 or 74.7 so almost yep. almost a 15 point difference in terms of one and two in scoring and that's and to beat them I think that just is a lot of proof there the plus 23 in scoring margin I mean offensively we're killing it I mean last night it was forced 24 turnovers had 18 steals and I think it was 30 I didn't write it down but I, 32 or 34 points off of that 24 fast break points and I said in the story it's it's almost become a patent the full court pressure that we do because yeah. it's swarming yeah. every every team that we played so far down in St. Mary's Thanksgiving Classic which we won um, Bethany Parkside Concordia even we swarm you can see them get overwhelmed yeah. with it and then fatigue sets in and it's all all downhill from there for the opposing teams. I mean, steals, too, the margin is uh, substantial. 101 steals, almost 17 a game. <laughs> Next closest is August Augie, who has 68. Uh. So, I mean, it's just unreal, the, the margins that we're putting up. Joey Bat, 20 points a game. Riley Menster has th- almost four steals a game. Out-rebounding teams... <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, shooting 34% from three ball, 45% from the field. I mean, almost every major statistical category, yep. it's just domination. Exactly. And the, the defense, you can just see the teams, the quit in their eyes after the first half and the scores prove it. They go, crap. It's our <laughs> Nolan Richardson 40 minutes of hell. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, it's, I, it's immense. I, I, I think I think about uh, Emily T.C. and what she's yeah. done during her career. When she's had... Um, uh, the roster that can play her right. system, and I mm-hmm. think you know one of the keys, obviously, is the. It's not necessarily the emergence, but the how Joey Bad has evolved yep. over the course of her yep. career. Remember Bernsey yep. when we first saw Joey, and and she was coming off the bench her first year and looked like, uh, boy, that's a pretty good player. And mm-hmm. then um, uh, since then has gone from uh, you know someone off the bench um, to the person that actually drives things and yep. is right. now mm-hmm. your one of the top players in the NSIC, yeah, yep. uh, not just the, the top six player, but yeah. top player, period. Said the top player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned, like, <clears throat> their type of basketball, and it's it's like something I've never seen, and I grew up in a basketball family. My brother's assistant coach at UVM, dad coach college and everything. I've seen a lot of basketball. They're not a small ball team. They're not, let's half court you know have big big girl down low get the boards put it away it's it's almost like something you don't see is high intensity 100 percent effort we're going to be in your face the whole time and to what you said about coach tc building that roster like she's got eight to ten on any given night that you can put out there fast quick great hands and it's in front of the defender and get those steals and it's not just joey but they're gone. They get that steal, they're gone. No matter who gets that steal, they're taking off yep. down the court, fast break. And Joey, I mean, um, Matty Olson, those two do a great job. If they get the steal, they get their head up, and they see that outlet pass, and it's gone. Yep. And it's impressive. Yep. It's just such a – for me to see something like that, it's just a completely different style of basketball that they got the perfect roster for it, the right girls in place, and it's impressive. Yep. It's just like – it's almost like a new way to play basketball. Well, but it's not new to us. So. Well, I, I just think about uh, the key players there, um, and from a leadership standpoint, in order to be able to play that way, yep. and, the, and the buy-in, and when your best player is also right. maybe your hardest worker – and mm-hmm. a good leader uh, that goes that goes a long way. Yeah. So, um, undefeated yep. uh, right now, and then they'll go to Winona yep. Saturday as well, three thirty, and, and uh, uh, have a another NSIC uh, a game over there. And hopefully, we can keep it rolling. 
I think. What do we, we got ne- next week? Over oh, next week for basketball. Uh, next week, schedule. I believe we're on the road at Wayne State yeah. in August. August okay. yeah. We'll be back at home for the weekend of uh, the 17th and the 18th against Southwest and Sioux Falls. Okay. Um, and and just the the uh, uh, implementation of the different times of men uh, for yep. the first half of the season are playing the first game. Yep. Just a reminder: yes. if you come to the games, the men are playing the first half. The first. Uh, game of the uh, double headers with the NSIC, and that switches, I think, about halfway through the halfway through the conference through the conference schedule. schedule. Yeah. yeah, okay. Um, so, uh, women's hockey, uh, Connor, after being off last weekend, right? Yeah, resumes the WCHA play with uh, two games against St. Thomas at home and home with the Tommies, right? Yeah, and home sweet home it is. Uh, Mavericks haven't been home. Uh, Maverick women's hockey, that is, hasn't been home in over a month. And um, I'm sure they can't wait for it this afternoon. Uh, the Mavericks are dropped eight straight, and uh, their last four in the month of November were all on the road. A um, couple disappointing losses at St. Cloud State, and then uh, two weeks ago we dropped a pair to the nation's second-ranked team, Ohio State, in Columbus, Ohio. Um, Mavericks are now 5-9 and nine with a 1-9 and nine conference record um, after starting the season 5-1. and one. And one and one in the WCHA after splitting with Minnesota Duluth, they're off to a hot, hot start, but have since slumped a little bit. A um, little bit disappointing, but today uh, we've got our inaugural uh, Western Collegiate Hockey Association matchup with um, the St. Thomas Tommies. Um, there's only been one all-time meeting ever uh, between in the series, and it was back in the '98-'99 season, and we beat the Tommies 14 to nothing. <laughs> so. Um, I think the Mavericks are really looking forward to hosting the Tommies. They are four nine and one overall with a two nine and one overall or overall conference record. Um, so, uh, very beatable opponent. Um, I think they're looking to get back up there and climb yep. the rankings yep. a little bit. Cause we're uh, or not ranking standings because we are in uh, last place, unfortunately. Well, right well now what, one of the thing, a couple things relative to um, our women's hockey program and where we are, Connor, right now, and and. Uh, um, the, the losing streak we have going now attributable to a couple things. I, I think you can point to uh, strength of schedule, the, who we've been playing yeah. during that time, and, and it's been um, Ohio State and Wisconsin. We've got Minnesota already and, out of the way. Minnesota, once. yeah. So uh, uh, I'm not going to say the schedule softens up a little bit, but it does uh, pose a little bit different type situation when you're playing St. Thomas as opposed to Wisconsin or Minnesota or Ohio State. Um, and then lineup wise, uh, I, I, you know, um, with with what we've done with uh, Anna Wilgren uh, going through the national team uh, program, residency program, uh, hoping to make uh, the national team for the, the Olympics in Beijing in February. Um, we, you know, arguably our most valuable player. You know, yep. And um, she hasn't been around. <clears throat> C- uh, congratulations to Anna and yeah. uh, wish her all the best. But uh, relative to uh, where we are with our women's hockey program, that affects us. You know, she, she's a minute muncher and. Um, uh, plays in all situations and your captain and uh, so that that I don't know how any team would be able to overcome that loss and um, uh, Nelson uh, was hurt the WCHA rookie of the year last year one of the top newcomers in the league and uh, she hasn't been in a lineup she's back now I've, right? I've, she yeah, be back? I've heard she was really close to okay. coming back it'd be great to get her back so in the lineup obviously she's back today especially in, in trying to get a jump start with her offense uh, and the role she plays <clears throat> Obviously, a top six forward for us, and uh, then our goaltending situation. Yes. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Califranc's uh, been pretty solid all year, but uh, with uh, I, we haven't had an really opportunity to talk about this on this 
uh, on Maverick Magazine, but uh, we've had a situation where all three of our goaltenders, with Califrank and the uh, the two other goaltenders being out with injuries, and we were only carrying three, and uh, we were lucky to find somebody in Avery Stillwell, a, a member, a freshman on the women's tennis team who played high school hockey, and uh, uh, I made her almost incredibly. It's a great story. Uh, debut with our program with very little practice with not her own equipment against Ohio State yeah. <laughs> on the on the road you know uh. and acquitted herself pretty darn well yeah. so uh, you take that into account and uh, where we are now with uh, St. Thomas coming to town it could be just what the doctor ordered uh, but you know how it goes in sports you just can't you can't expect to step on the ice and win those games you still have to win them and uh, so a question I have for you with all that being said Connor where are we with our goaltending situation now? Do you hmm. do you uh, have anything? Is Cal, Cal is back, right? Yeah, I believe she is back, yeah. but uh, the other two are not sounding like they're going to be great. Um, Barbro got season-ending surgery, from what I heard, and Kelly also got surgery following the St. Cloud series, so I think she's going to be a while as well. Um, so, from what I know, and is that Stowell is the backup to Frank yeah. through the end of the year, okay. at least. Okay. So. Um, well, I've... Uh, she, she, as I say, she acquitted herself pretty well. I think she had almost 50 saves in that 6-3 loss, the first one. Yep. Uh, it, I think it was 49. 49. Yeah, she was three shy of cracking the top 10 in yeah. a single game. Yeah, <laughs> extremely impressive uh, uh, given the fact that it really came out of the blue for her. Amazing that she was just able to come in and perform and against Ohio State was ranked second, I think, at yep. the time. Um, so uh, uh, if if Avery has to play, I think our team would be actually be okay with if it's yeah, Avery. I think they have confidence sorry. in Avery and and uh, uh, excited and uh, she's been in demand relative to uh, getting some uh, interviews and stuff. That's yeah. been pretty cool. Um, so what do we got after St. Thomas this weekend with uh, the Tommies here at three o'clock today and, and two o'clock tomorrow? Yeah. So actually, we were talking about strength of schedule and stuff, and things get a little bit easier here uh, pre winter break. We've got uh, St. Cloud for both at home uh, next weekend at the Mayo Clinic Health System Event Center, and then uh, the Mavericks hit the road for Bemidji on December seventeenth and eighteenth. And then it's a little bit of a break yeah, until after until January seventh. January seventh. So, okay. Yeah, it's a healthy break. Okay. How are the coaching staff? The coaching staff's holding up okay, right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sh- shout out to uh, Jeff Geeson who uh, brought back a nice care package from Canada when he uh, oh, awesome. when he uh, <laughs> gave us some. Yeah, you guys, you guys were uh, had the opportunity to partake in some coffee crisp. Right? Yeah. Right, those are unexpectedly, right? Yeah. Uh, you guys haven't had those before. Have not. Jordan didn't eat his out of the fridge, so it doesn't count. Nice little treat, but it was okay. We still, <laughs> I think he was somewhat pleasantly surprised. Those old Dutch chips were pretty uh, good, too. Yep. We had the Dutch old, chips. Old, old Dutch uh, all old dressed. Dutch chips? Yeah. Oh, we got some ketchup. Man. We got a bag of ketchup oh. chips. Oh. I see. I get the Humpty Dumpty ones back Those home. are Canadian, too. Yeah. Those oh, are, are good they? Too. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight across th- the think, border. I think, yeah. Straight across the border. The only thing about the only thing I didn't get from Coach Geeson was a. A nice big batch of poutine. That would have been good, too. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> um, uh, men's hockey, as we transition from women's hockey, uh, Connor, to um, uh, men's hockey, the Mavericks um, uh, affected by the flu bug last weekend uh, on the road at Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, taking on Lake Superior State, drop uh, uh, a one nothing game in uh, game uh, one uh, uh, because of the nature of the flu and, and the availability of players. We had a, a few players, Steve Bellini, uh, Will Hillman, Tanner Edwards, and um, Keenan Rancier uh, make their college debuts. And Keenan Rancier played uh, the first game, Dryden McKay not ready to go in, in um, 
the first game against the Lakers and and uh, played pretty well despite losing one nothing in his college day blue really uh, was impressive I thought uh, shorthanded goal the difference in that game um, uh, early on uh, and held up as a, the game winning goal for Lake Superior State and then Sunday uh, we get uh, Dryden McKay back and uh, we end up winning three nothing and, and Dryden gets his uh, sixth shutout of the season the thirtieth of his career and. Um, uh, just unbelievable, you know. Statistically, if you look at uh, the fact that uh, Dryden's played, um, I think like 112 games in his career and has 30 shutouts, that means about one every three, one every four games he gets a shutout. That's just incredible. And I always talk about. And then you played high school hockey as a goaltender, uh, Connor. You know how difficult it is to get a shutout. People have no idea how how unbelievably hard it is to get a shutout at a level. He's doing it at the Division One men's hockey uh, level and uh, to own the NCA record, uh, given the fact that college hockey's been around since the 1930s, 1940s, I think, and, and all the great goaltenders in the college ranks that there have been, and, and Dryden McKay owns a career record. That's extremely impressive, and we're not done yet, as Bernsey likes to say. So um, uh, with uh, the Mavericks hosting Michigan Tech this weekend, that'll be a good test for our guys. It's a, uh, one of those uh, teams that... Um, we've been playing ever since we went Division One, basically in the mid to uh, late 90s. We actually didn't get into the WCHA until um, the 2000s, but Michigan Tech started playing us when we went Division One in 96, 97, 98, right around there was the first game in the series, and it's been a nice rivalry, and uh, Joe Sean and his staff do a, a great job there, and it'll be a good test uh, for us this weekend down at um, the Mayo Clinic Health System Event Center. The clinic. Yep, the clinic. Seven. <laughs> yep, seven oh seven tonight and uh, six oh seven tomorrow at the clinic. Yes. And uh, 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 according to uh, our media availability uh, on Wednesday with uh, Mike Hastings, the head coach of the Mavericks, uh, everybody's available to play. So uh, it looks like we'll have the full lineup. And um, the, just for an FYI, uh, we d- we didn't have Julian Napravnik and Lucas Souter. Uh, Tony Malinowski, um, Sam Morton were um, some of the players that weren't available last weekend and they'll be available this weekend. So I'm interested to see uh, what we're going to do lines-wise with our our men's hockey team um, in this uh, series versus Michigan Tech. Um, Mavericks ranked number two in one poll, number three in another poll this week after splitting that series with um, Lake Superior State. And uh, Minnesota Duluth, I think, is ranked number one in both polls this week. So it'll be interesting to see how things flesh out here. But um, Michigan Tech uh, this weekend here, and then we're at Bemidji State uh, next weekend in a CCHA uh, series up in Bemidji. And I'll close out the um, pre-holiday schedule for our men's hockey team. And then we're home-and-home uh, home non-conference games with Minnesota Duluth. On the we talked about this burning the 29th and the first 29th and the first 29th right and first yeah. yeah so the boys will have to play on mm-hmm. uh, New Year's Day if you're if you're a fan of college hockey it'd be kind of cool if you had uh, a college hockey game to go to on New Year's Day that'd be kind of a cool thing don't you think yeah yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah so the folks in Bemidji are are lucky I think in some respects <coughs> because uh, they'll have a nice nice uh, holiday uh, option for them um, and of course it's Bemidji State and Minnesota State another great. Uh, rivalry for mm-hmm. us and Bemidji's having another good year so um, what else what I was thinking about uh, we were talking about college baseball I did want to uh, bring up uh, the fact that the lockout you really, I'm not sure of the, the does the public actually know that the players are locked out in Major League Baseball right now 
Do they know that the yeah. news and me? Jordan Jordan Just didn't know. Like, Jordan, wow, I, didn't I, know I know it, it's unless you follow yeah. along. I don't think a lot of people will know. I, I think people are still waiting for the next big free agent to be signed, yeah. given mm-hmm. given what's happened with uh, Byron Buxton signing with a, uh, a new extension with the Twins and uh, Max Scherzer signing a forty three million dollar a year contract with uh, with the Mets. <laughs> Uh, but that's come to a halt now. There won't be any free agency signing for a while because uh, there isn't an agreement between the Players Association and MLB. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, from what I understand, that um, um, uh, there's a lot of optimism that this won't lead. It's it's a lockout, but it won't it won't if they'll get things figured out before the uh, season's ready to start ready to go. Is that what they always say? No. <laughs> okay. No, no, they they don't they, they don't and, and having having and I, and I might be facetious here because uh, having observed what's happening with happened with, I guess hockey and baseball in particular and with these types of things, um, and and the response on this time around is, uh, not that there aren't differences in agreement and what they want to do. One of the issues you have with pro sports right now and baseball is unique because they're the, out of the four major pro sports, the only one without, a salary cap, is what do you do from a players' association standpoint with the fact that you have. A small number of um, superstars who are making the majority of the money, and uh, the owner's response to because um, I don't think they have a problem paying those those large salaries to Max Scherzer and and uh, Byron Buxton. I, I shouldn't say they have any problems with it, but it seems they're okay with that, given the fact that they start turning their sights to relative to roster building, to not necessarily ignoring the the middle class mm-hmm. when it comes to baseball salaries. But what's happened, and we've seen it happen with hockey, where some of the uh, guys who've been around a little bit longer but aren't superstars sort of get um, uh, uh, bypassed in favor of uh, younger guys who make less money. So uh, you may have your superstars making those big contracts, but then you have a bunch of young guys on mm-hmm. league minimum yeah. salaries. And uh, I don't think the Players Association is all that happy about that mm-hmm. occurring. So that's something you're going to have to <coughs> fi- figure out. Um, the other sort of curveball... Um, using a baseball analogy on this is uh, we're still coming out of COVID and I think most everybody is finding at least in the professional ranks for sure that the the uh, actually in person attendance is different. Yeah. If you look yeah. what's been going on, right? Just have, I've been doing a whole case study. Have on you really? In uh, techniques and research, and I mean a lot of it's stemming from how fans consume and view sport now, and in in particular the younger generation, my age and younger. Um, the attention span and not to be the old boomer stay off my lawn kind of thing but it's certainly a thing in looking at daily fantasy sport games fantasy teams nfl red zone and and mlb equivalent you want what's going on now who did this who did what big play big play all right move on and uh, baseball is number two in suffering from attendance and the NFL being the first, yeah. and so yeah, I don't, I don't doubt all that. And, and no, um, it, it's not just one thing; it's a lot of stuff. And yeah, I, I, exactly. I thought all along that fantasy baseball, fantasy hockey, fantasy yeah. football, you better be careful with that because yep. it, it, what it does is it, it <coughs> impacts your team allegiances, which right. has been the, exactly. which has been the thing, the loyalty that people yep. typically have. now. Now, what do you do if you? Uh, I like the Packers for say, let's yep. say you like the Packers, yep. and you're playing a team, and you have a player on the other team, right. which is one of your fantasy players. And so your allegiance gets divided a little <laughs> yep. bit, right? And um, yep. I, I think also uh, you did mention this, but if you look how um, what's happening with basketball and 
football in particular, mm-hmm. with the uh, the primary sources of talent being colleges and guys coming out of college being one and done and not really developing yep. an identity. So how do you know who the real stars are? Because it used to be right. uh, these guys, because they stayed in college for mm-hmm. four years, and this goes back a lot of years because it's not a new thing. Kevin Garnett never played college basketball. Um, but uh, they, there's not an opportunity to for people to get to know who the incoming stars are before they actually get to the league. Right, and, and w- to that point too, and I'm not going to get into the name, image, likeness thing, but that was another thing I was doing in Principles of Sport Management is we're talking about how high school athletes are just foregoing college and talking about the NBA in particular and going to the G League. So, again, like, who's going to know who, yep. Joe Schmo from the main Red Claws yep. before they go into the league? Like, yep. Yep. they're in a tiny market up in Maine yep. or wherever it may be, and then – Oh, I'm in the NBA now. So yeah. yeah, exactly. There's no building of that brand, yeah. personal brand or image. And then the other thing is relative to some of the things you says about the experience yeah. that you go, the game experience stuff has changed so much. And I, yep. I was thinking about this the other day and social media and uh, the Game of Thrones effect. If, if you think about how the Game of Thrones was happening and how people were watching Game of Thrones mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, in real time as they're watching, is sharing thoughts and comments right. on mm-hmm. Twitter or whatever, yep. whatever platform with other people with yep. who are uh, this shared experience type thing, and uh, like the know, Manning cast, the, the whole the, the other thing, Manning cast. Yeah. You, you can't you can't get that if you're at the game. The yep. only way you get that is if you're sitting on your couch watching it on TV. That's another thing that relative to game experience. Yep. And the other thing uh, uh, you didn't mention was cost about yeah. the cost yeah, of going yeah, to, to a game as opposed to sitting in your house. And you talked, you you indirectly mentioned it because of red yeah. zone and stuff like that, yeah. but sitting on your couch, able to eat your own food, drink whatever you want to drink, yeah. and then you got replays and you got Manning right. cast and you have all the other stuff on TV. Mm-hmm. And relative to game experience, I think I think pro sports are in a, not necessarily danger, but we're in a transitional spot right yeah. now. Um, the NHL in particular, which of the four major sports, the television revenue isn't quite the same, and they th- mm-hmm. they hang their hats on their attendance figures at games. And hockey is the one sport because of the the nature of the sport in particular, in which it's a much different sp- experience right. watching yes. it in game than it is on TV. Yes, yeah. it just, it's just not quite the same. That being said, right now what's going on with NHL franchises and the uh, the Minnesota Wild are a pretty good example. Uh, two years ago, for the first time in a long time, didn't have a sellout. And mm-hmm. since uh, since then, and we're not going to count last year, but this year, that's sort of been the norm. They haven't been selling out. Mm-hmm. And um, and again, if you look at colleges and college football and college basketball mm-hmm. and the same, that's that's been an ongoing right. theme, I think, with uh, tr- the traditional big power five football conferences in particular, where they, they haven't been selling out their games for a while. Yep. So... I don't know. I just I just think relative to we're talking baseball here and the yep. issues that they face and baseball of course has got their own issues with de- regarding demographics and people who actually follow baseball as opposed to you know the juggernaut that football is and yeah. uh, basketball seems to be uh, basketball is the one doing that a pretty good job has right now. a higher percentage of younger viewers. Yeah, basketball is actually probably on the best trajectory of keeping fans long term because yep. they have the youngest fan base hasn't always been that way they figured no. it out and yeah. I, th- I think some of the other sports uh, are trying to take a page out of the uh, in the other sports baseball and and hockey in particular trying to uh, figure out what what to do what the NBA actually did in order to be able to get there and hopefully they can do the same thing superstars superstars yeah market superstars mm-hmm. yep all right guys good talk good chat Connor thanks very much thank you PA yep <laughs> Nick thanks very much thank, thank you PA uh, J.O. 
What's up? Keep grinding away, buddy. No, I'll <laughs> All right. do my best. All right. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it. Another Maverick Magazine in the books. It's great to be a Maverick. Emerson Mavericks.com. Talk, talk to you next week.